Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor. For free resources and free messages, visit our website, friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or call us for more information at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. We are your students, Lord. We are your children. We come to you as our teacher. We come to you as our father. In Jesus' name, amen. Genesis 27, verse 6. Rebekah spake unto Jacob, her son, saying, Behold, I heard thy father speak unto Esau, thy brother, saying, Bring me venison and make me savory meat, that I may eat and bless thee before the Lord before my death. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice according to all, to that which I command thee. Go now to the flock, fetch me from thence. Two good kids of the goats, and I will make them savory meat for thy father, such as he loveth. And thou shalt bring it to thy father, he may eat, he may bless thee before his death. And Jacob said to Rebekah his mother, Behold, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. My father, peradventure, will feel me, and I shall seem to him as a deceiver, and I shall bring a curse upon me, and not a blessing. His mother said unto him, Upon me be thy curse, my son. Only obey my voice, and go fetch me them." He went, fetched, brought them to his mother. His mother made savory meat such as his father loved. Rebekah took goodly raiment of her eldest son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them upon Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the goats upon his hands, upon the smooth of his neck. She gave the savory meat and the bread, which she had prepared, into the hand of her son Jacob. He came unto his father and said, My father, he said, Here am I, who art thou, my son? Jacob said unto his father, I am Esau, thy firstborn. I have done according to as thou badest me. Arise, I pray thee, sit, and eat of my venison, that thy soul may bless me. Isaac said unto his son, How is it that thou hast found it so quickly, my son? He said, Because the Lord thy God brought it to me. Isaac said unto Jacob, Come near, I pray thee, that I may feel thee, my son, whether thou be my very son Esau or not. Jacob went near unto Esau's father. He felt him, and he said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He discerned him not because his hands were hairy, as his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. And he said, Art thou my very son Esau? He said, I am. He said, Bring it near to me, and I will eat of my son's venison, that my soul may bless thee. He brought it near to him. He did eat. He brought him wine. He drank. His father Isaac said unto him, Come near now and kiss me, my son. And he came near and kissed him. And he smelled the smell of his raiment and blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field which the Lord hath blessed. Therefore, God, give thee of the dew of heaven, the fatness of the earth, and plenty of corn and wine. Let people serve thee, nations bow down to thee, be Lord over thy brethren. Let thy mother's sons now bow down to thee. Cursed be everyone that curseth thee, and blessed be he that blesseth thee. All right, now, in our last study, we had a really good look at Rebecca, and we saw her that her motives were good. She was, it was good what she wanted to do. She didn't want the blessing, Abraham's blessing, should get passed to Esau. She wanted it to be passed on to Jacob. With Isaac's soul, he should bless Jacob. But how she went about it that was the problem. And, and, and we saw that because of her choices on how she went about it, she was really responsible for all this losses, all this loss that took place, least of which was not the loss, her own loss. And so we considered what she did and what she should have done, and it caused us just to kind of pause and, and resolve that, you know, God's ways are the best ways. And God's ways are not deceit and lying. 
And so we look at, at, at verse 8 now, and, and we see this tremendous pressure that she's putting on Jacob because she makes three statements to Jacob in verse 8, and it's just, it's just pressure. I mean, first she says, my son. And Rebecca calls Jacob my son. It's as if she's saying to Jacob, you know how much you long to hear your parents say, my son? Well, there's only one parent that you have that's calling you my son, and it's your mother. So I see she's saying, Jacob, when I call you my son, just remember, you only have one parent that's looking out for the best of you. Only one parent that loves you. That's me, your mother. So when I call you my son, I got your best interest at heart. So I'm doing all this for you. That's kind of the implication there. Of course, we need to keep in mind that, that Rebecca, is, she's watching her husband, uh, what appears to be his deathbed. I mean, he said, you know, I'm going to die. And so that means Rebecca, she's sort of thinking in her mind, you know, let's see now, Isaac's about to die, and he's going to leave all of his possessions and his power to Esau. And, and Rebecca and Esau, they don't exactly ha- have a love or loyalty to each other far from that. So Rebecca's thinking to herself, if Isaac gives all his possessions, all his power, all everything to Esau, I mean, that's not going to be good for me. <laughs> so Rebecca, she has self-interest in this scheme also to promote Jacob over Esau. But Rebecca does not imply this when she calls her in verse 8, my son. And then in verse 8, she orders Rebecca to, to obey her voice. You know, she didn't say, Rebecca, she didn't say to, to Jacob, now Jacob, you know, listen to what I say or, or, or obey my words. Or, you know, there's an implication here that Jacob is never to, to forget who is ordering him. You know, Rebecca says in verse 8 for Jacob to obey her voice. That's a real, you know, it's a, can't do it. <laughs> now hear this, Jacob, this is your captain speaking. <laughs> and then just to remove from Jacob's mind, any idea or thought, you know, maybe that, that she's just suggesting for him to consider her proposal, you know, just to take this out of, off the table that she's asking him to think about this. She says in verse 8, I command thee. So what we see in verse 8 is a man who is 77 years old, <laughs> and he's still uh, uh, under the control of his mother. So uh, apart from that, He looks very well suited to be one of the three great patriarchs of faith, right? All right, now, we see in verse 9 how Rebecca was at the center of this scheme to deceive her husband. She told Jacob that he was just assisting her. You know, she's got these words in in verse 9. It's like, go now to the flock. Fetch me from thence, two kids of the goats. I will make them savory meat for thy father such as he loveth. You know, it's all this me, I, bring it to me, do what I say. And it shows that, uh, you know, she had the whole thing under control. She even knew which seasonings Esau had used so she could make that goat seem like a deer. And we can hear, when we look at this, we can just hear this, this, this staccato. Uh, you know, she's like firing out these words like a machine gun as she tells Jacob what to do in verse 10. He says, thou shalt bring it to thy father. He may eat, he may bless thee before his death. So when we look at verses 9 and 10, we see twice Rebekah refers to Isaac as thy father. And she's not shy to refer to Isaac as thy father. You know, she doesn't call him him or, I mean, you know, and, and I mean, you know, you might think she might want to do that. I mean, you know, just let, let's not keep emphasizing that he's about to deceive and trick and, and, and cheat his father. Maybe we could just kind of remove that aspect. No, no, not Rebecca. She wants it right up there out in front. And so 
she doesn't want him to think, you know, I've got a real problem here because he's my father. I know that you're my mother, but he's my father, and I love you both, and, and, and I don't want to deceive, and, and I don't want to lie to my father. So in verses 9 and 10, when Rebecca just pushes that title right up front there, thy father, she's saying to Rebecca, so, you know, Rebecca's saying to Jacob, don't get all hung up about lying to your father. I'm your mother, and, and, which shows how, how forceful Rebecca was in the home there. You know, for Rebecca, when it came down to if there was a disagreement on who to follow, the father or the mother, there's no question for Rebecca who's going to follow it. Rebecca will vote for Hillary Clinton. <laughs> because, as Hillary Clinton says, it isn't a time we had a woman for president. Well, she's the woman and the president of that home. And there's no question about that. You know, apart from that, she looks just fine to be one of the great matriarchs in Israel. <laughs> All right, now we see in verse 11 that Jacob has raised this big problem for him. You know, I I could be caught. You know, he he doesn't have any concern about whether it's right or it's wrong or it's moral or it's immoral or he shouldn't do this. The only problem is if he gets caught. And he says in verse 11 there, Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Behold, Esau's my brother is a hairy man. I'm a smooth man. And, And Jacob says what he's really afraid of. He has this fear in verse 12. My father, peradventure, will feel me, and I shall seem to him as a deceiver. I'll bring a curse upon me, not a blessing. So in verse 12, we see that when Jacob says, I shall seem to him as a deceiver, he's not worried about being a deceiver. (laughs) He's only worried about being seen as a deceiver. And the only problem for Jacob, he says, you know, I might end up with a curse instead of a blessing. And what's interesting here is that he understands, everybody understands, that whatever Isaac lays down, that's the end. That's it. If Isaac lays down a curse on him, he's cursed. And it'll stick. If Isaac lays a blessing on him, he's a, he, he, the blessing will stick. He realizes that. Now, you know, that was a val- you would think that's a valid concern. I mean, after all, let's get, you know, poor guy. I mean, you know, Jacob, he's getting worried about this. So that's a valid concern. Jacob has of being caught in this great lie, bring a, bring a curse on him. I mean, you know, it's valid. But, but all Rebecca heard from Jacob was that he was questioning her. You know, and it's a, so Re- Rebecca, she couldn't tolerate you know, Jacob questioning her. So in verse 13, does Rebecca answer Jacob's valid concern about him n- n- not being a hairy man like, like Esau? Does he? Does she? What do you think? It's not a hard question. No, good. <laughs> no, she doesn't at all. Not at all. See, in verse 13, we can, we can see that Rebecca is just infuriated that Jacob would question him with this concern about bringing a curse on him. So Rebecca doesn't even respect Jacob's concern to give him an answer. Rebecca just ridicules Jacob's fear with a quick dismissal. Ah, oh, you and your curse upon me be thy curse, my son. You know, she shut him down fast by saying that his fear of being cursed was so ridiculous that she would take his curse on him. So she put down this 77-year-old man. She put this 77-year-old man in his place and calls him my son. You know, really. And just in case Jacob might do any more thinking about what's wrong with the plan, notice at the end of verse 13, she caps off the whole discussion with these words, only obey my voice and fetch me them. See, that word only is very important in verse 13. In verse 13, when Rebecca said the word only, 
as in only obey my voice, Rebecca is saying to Jacob, stop with the stinking. Stop doing anything else other than what I tell you to do. The only thing you do is obey me and get moving. No more thinking about problems. Only obey my voice. That that, that reminds me of of one of my father's many wives. My father had many wives. He specialized in in wives, as a matter of fact. (laughs) And to say that my father uh, did not marry the submissive type is a great understatement. And, and, And I remember one of his wives um, she would bark out these orders, and she would always end her sentences with two words. She would say, that's all. <laughs> she would say this, and then she'd say, that's all. And she'd tell people what to do, and she'd say, that's all. And in other words, when she said, that's all, that's Rebecca. She's saying, only obey my voice. she close off all discussion. Might as well have here written in the Bible, Rebecca said, that's all. Anyway, it was all. Because verse 13, or the first words of verse 13 are very important. The first words of verse 13 is that he gets the message. And the first word says, he went, he fetched. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and words of verse 14, are, he went and fetched, show us that the message of that's all, that got through to Jacob. You know, only obey my voice, that got through to Jacob. So the picture that, that, that we see here from verses 14 through 16 is Rebecca at work and Jacob just going and then just standing by and just watching his mother as she's just doing all these things, she says, in verses 14 through 17. You know, he went, fetched the brought his mother. His mother made savory meat, such as the father loved. And Rebecca took goodly raiment in her, her eldest son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them upon Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the kids of the uh, goats upon his hands, upon the smooth of his neck. And she gave the savory meat and brought the bread and she, that she had prepared, in case there was any question about that, into the hand of the, her son Jacob. So just reading in these verses 14 through 17 about what Rebecca's doing, it makes you tired. <laughs> it's like, you know what, she's a whirlwind. I mean, she's making and taking and putting and giving and preparing. And we can imagine, what's Jacob doing? He's just standing there. He's standing there, he's uh, waiting for his mother to call him. And verse 15, when we read there that that Rebekah put them upon Jacob, her younger son, we we see that Rebekah didn't even trust her young 77-year-old son to dress himself (laughs) in Esau's clothes. Mama dresses Esau here, I mean, dresses Jacob in Esau's clothes, yeah. And in verse 16, when we read, she put the skins of the kids of the goats upon his neck and upon the spoon of his head, we read that Rebecca didn't even trust her young 77-year-old little boy, Jacob, uh, to put the, the skins on him. His mama put those skins on him. So what a sight he must have looked like, you know, uh, Jacob. He's got these goat skins tied on his neck, you know back of his neck and his hands and probably on his face too we don't know but you know this so that when he goes gets close he can feel this 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 goat skin and i can tell you from experience that doesn't smell great you know <laughs> goat skin you know i have a couple of goats uh, heads which are stuffed big billy i have and another one um, it's really beautiful, done by Lions O'Haver at Taxman. They did a great job of stuffing this big black goat. He stinks so bad, we can't keep him hung anywhere except in the attic in three black plastic bags. <laughs> so he smells so bad. And it's been almost 30 years, and he still smells. Anyway, so there stood Jacob with this 
stinky, sticky, bloody goatskin tied on his hands, on his neck, probably on his face, which his mama put on him. So in verse 17, when we read then that she gave the savory meat into the hand of her son, we see that she didn't even trust her little 77-year-old Jakey there to, to get the food. She prepared his mom and puts the food in his hand. So verse 18 now is a terrifying moment for Jacob. He is afraid of being caught by his father, Isaac. And the scene now, we're coming in here and and he says these words, my father, which just launches us right back as we saw to Genesis 22-7 when it was in Isaac marching up the the hill there of Mount uh, Moriah that that says to his father, my son. And and so he calls out, you know, that was the time when Isaac called out to his father, Abraham, only now Isaac's in the role of his father, Abraham. And and Jacob here, he's in the role of Isaac. And in verse 18 it says, he came to his father and he said, my father. And he said, here am I. Who am I? Who art thou, my son? So Jacob starts out calling out with my father. And Isaac responds with, here am I. Well, it's just the same words as we had in Genesis 22. It's good. But then this last part is terrifying. When, when Jacob hears him says, who are you, <laughs> my son? Who art thou, my son? I mean, Isaac has been operating in secrecy. This has been in this secret little plan he's had there. And, and, and now we see Isaac, he's worried that maybe a secret plan is getting exposed. And so, you know, Isaac, we see him here with this guilty conscience. He's, now he's suspicious, you know, and he has no boldness. Exactly the opposite of Proverbs 28.1, where it says, The wicked flee when no man pursueth. The righteous are as bold as a lion. Isaac's not bold as a lion here. He's got this question, Who art thou, my son? And now we see uh, Jacob, boy, he's got like no hesitation. He just jumps right into the full lie. And Jacob said unto his father, well, I am Esau, thy firstborn. You know, like, what did you think? And he said, I've done according as thou badest me. Arise, I pray thee, sit and eat of my venison, that thy soul may bless me. There are so many lies in what he's just said here. It's like hard to count them all. And it's shocking for us to read that Jacob has no hesitation, but he just jumps way in over his head with lies. You know, I am Esau, thy firstborn. I don't think so. I have done according as thou hast bade me. Not really. See, we look at verse 19, we ask the question, how in the world could Jacob say this to his father? How could he do this? I mean, it, it just comes so natural to him. Well, you know what? Lying comes natural to us too in our sinful nature. As it says in Psalm 58.3, the wicked go as, are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies. Well, this is a pretty unflattering picture of Jacob. It's a pretty unflattering picture of a lot of people in this chapter who are very important in the history of God's people. And, and there are some, some pretty unflattering pictures of some very important people in the history of God's people. I mean, we're looking at Isaac here, and this is not a flattering picture of Isaac. We're looking at Rebecca. We already said about her. And we're looking at Jacob here. I mean, you know, Isaac, Jacob, these are two of the most important patriarchs in the trio of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so how does this work? It brings the question, how does this work with God? When these very important people of his people are behaving so badly, I mean, how does it work with God when we behave so badly? How can we be reading about Isaac's secrecy to push God's plan off and stubbornly push his own interests through and just totally ignore God? 
How can we read this in the Bible that God calls himself the God of Isaac? How does that work? You know, how can we be reading about Jacob telling these blatant lies, totally ignoring God as the God of truth, and then read in the Bible that God calls himself the God of Jacob? How does that happen? I mean, the problem is not that Isaac and Jacob did these terrible things. That's not the problem. The problem is, how could God call himself the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob? So what is God thinking when he calls himself the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob when you read these things? What we see from this is that God is not focused on their faults. He's focused on their progress. And what we're going to see, we're going to see some serious repentance take place as we go through the book and a real change that's going to happen on the part of Isaac and Jacob. And that's what God's focused on. And and so, you know, here at the chapel, we're a small fellowship, and we have an opportunity to get to know each other really well, and that can be bad, (laughs) because, you know, we we might come to somebody, another person, and say, can you imagine that he did that? What do you think about it? He's a Christian, and he did that, and then we can respond and say, well, just imagine what he'd do if he wasn't a Christian. (laughs) So we look at this chapter And it causes us to remember God is not focused on our failures. In our sins, especially the sins and failures of the past, He's focused on our progress, on where we're going. And so therefore, that's the way we pray for each other. Now, we can just picture as this is going on here, that Rebecca, she's standing around the corner, she's got one eye focused there strongly on Jacob. Maybe he can see her, I don't know, he's giving her coaching. And and, and then she's got another eye, she's peeled out that eye for Esau. And we can imagine that when Jacob told Isaac that he was Esau, that, that Rebekah just, she fight down and said, yes, that a boy, you know. <laughs> oh, you're good. You're doing great. Almost in the bag. Keep going, Jacob. And Jacob just keeps going deeper and deeper with the lies by telling, I have done according to all of thou baddest me. So Jacob, he sold these lies. He, he's not Esau. He says he's Esau. He was not told by Isaac what to do. He says he was told what to do. He didn't do what Isaac said to do. He didn't do that. Not only did he not prepare it, it wasn't even venison. It was goat meat. That's the way lies work. You know, you don't just tell one lie. You've got to keep going. Lies are a sucking trap here. you got to, oh, this lie is going to get, oh, i got to tell this lie. No, now i got to tell this lie. And before you know it, you've got a whole web of lies. You've got a lot of repenting to do. And that's what we see here. So what we see at the end of verse 19 is that Jacob's kind of tired of telling all those lies, so he's just kind of anxious, so he says, okay, now can you just get on with it and bless me with your soul? And, and we see in verse 20 that Isaac, he just does, he's, there's something, but you know, he's suspicious. He, he's just, you know, he says, I, I'm ah, getting pushed into this blessing. You know, over, end of verse 19, verse 20, he says, Isaac said unto us, said, how is it? How is, how did this happen? How is it that thou hast found it so quickly, my son? And Jacob, you know, he says, because the Lord thy God brought it to me. And Rebecca's going, yes, you know, good. And see, Isaac's suspicion, it grows. Because Isaac's wondering, how is he able to find that venison so quickly? And, And for Jacob, that's a real problem. And he didn't even ask his mother before, what if I get asked this question? He's so quick on the spot there. You know, how did he find it so fast? And here we see Jacob very quick on his feet when he says, because the Lord thy God brought it to me. Now, when Jacob said to Isaac, because the Lord thy God brought it to me, there's one word in that statement, because the Lord thy God brought it to me, 
that really reveals something very important about Jacob that we, re- we maybe didn't know this before. Now, what word is that in that statement that tells us something about Jacob that we didn't know? One word. Take a guess. Thy, right? Is that what you said? Thy. Yeah. See, it's that word, thy. The Lord, thy God, brought it to me. He, see, he didn't say, the Lord, my God, brought it to me. He didn't say, the Lord, our God, brought it to me. Why not? Because when Jacob called God, thy God, when Jacob called God, Isaac's God, he was saying, he's not, he's not my God. He's not Jacob's God. Jacob is saying, the Lord God was only Isaac's God and not Jacob's God. See, when Jacob called the Lord God thy God, Jacob was saying that you and I, we don't have the same God. Thank you for listening to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. If you would like to hear more of this message or other messages by Tom Cantor, visit our website, friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or go to itunes.com and search for the Friendship with God podcast. All messages are cataloged by date and all available for free listening and free download. You can also call us directly for more information at 800 247 3051 800 247 3051 Thanks for listening to Friendship with God with Tom Cantor. Join the Creation Earth History Museum for our 10th Annual Museum Day Family Festival, Saturday, September 26th. Hi, this is Jason Payne, museum curator. I want to personally invite you and your families to a free, fun-filled event including new exhibits, testimonies from leading scientific experts, meet NASA astronaut Colonel Jeffrey Williams, and many others. Activities for the entire family. So join us Saturday, September 26th from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Go online to learn more at creationsd.org or call 619-599-1104. 619-599-1104.